Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. Ernest Watts is joining me. I'm Paul Arnold, and we are back for another session of ranting and raving of two old grumpy men. Oh, that's been a movie already, Ernest. So Pardon the yeah. Confusion, what are we saying by that title? Uh, that somewhere in the midst of chaos, through entropy, the truth will be found. Oh, what? You went deep on me. What are you doing? I know, I know. I do that every once in a while. I just do that every once in a while. Sorry. Through the entropy, there is order. Order in the world, order in life. I truly believe that. You've you've heard me say this for 30 years. Yes, yes. That nature abhors a vacuum. Yes, I know. Yet that chaos, everything works out. The best very, thing that's very zen. It is very I, zen. We're, this is about sports, but I will say one of the biggest impacts I ever had working when I was at a senior living facility as a chaplain. I was talking to a guy who was ninety nine, and he was asking me how things were going. And I was telling him, and he says, "You know what? What I've learned over ninety nine years is this world just keeps on rolling, and um, there's always drama." And I'm like, "Man, he's right." And he just looked so chill about it. He was like, "Yeah, it's gonna happen." But Ernest, just another sidebar here since we're just having fun. You got to speak at your old high school this week, right? <laughs> yes, I had not been back there in for 49 years. All right, name the high school the year you graduated. It, okay, I graduated in 1974 from Littlefield High School. Now it's a middle school. Uh, and I was part of my job is to uh, warn young people about vaping. And uh, I kind of do my presentations a little different. It's PowerPoint. But I don't do a script. I kind of just go with what I feel is right, kind of feedback I get from the audience. That's why I observe a lot of stand-up comedians, because there's a lot of presentation that you can get from them. And, of course, introducing humor. And, and the, the, they had changed the floor, uh, but the gym walls were the same. The stage was the same. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to run into. The first person was the church secretary, who was one of the, my dad's students in training in Sunday school. And uh, did the presentation, like I said, I kind of feed off the audience. And I'm getting off, and the gym is packed, and a kid reaches over to high-five me. Yeah. I go, okay, I don't know why, but okay. And then after that, another kid, another kid. And I did the old Cal Ripken. I just did the trot around the gym, <laughs> high-fiving. And I when I, I looked at the principal, I went, I do not have any earthly world where that came from. It was just one of those spontaneous things. And uh, I assume it went okay. I didn't get any, you know, negative, but but it was it was also the end of the day, so that might have fit in with right. anything else. Now, my wife teaches middle school kids all the time. All what I've learned is any type of bodily function humor always works. So oh, did you wow. talk about, you know, like well, yeah, well, passing you know, the, gas or something? Well, not entirely. We talked about <laughs> in some of the elements of vaping. Uh, because you think of this, uh, you're talking about an organic substance. So as a plant is treated with insecticides, which are absorbed by the plant, and then as it's moved from, from where it's cured to market, it has to be treated with preservatives or else it would desiccate before it got to the manufacturer. And some of those are embalming fluid, ammonia, things of that nature. And, and I think they got a laugh out of because I said formaldehyde, and they didn't recognize what that meant. And I said embalming fluid. And I talked about, you know, the, the rudiments of how, you know, they take your organs out and replace it with the fluid and everything. Oh. So it might have been in that. It, it yeah, might have been that. Let's talk yeah. about taking body parts well, out. Well, you know, it's, you know, the idea that, that if you're using a vape, you're inhaling formaldehyde and ammonia and these preservatives and insecticides. And I think that kind of got their interest in, in and I got a little feedback type of thing that you try to do with any type of audience. You try to. So they go, ooh. Up. Well, you did the old, uh, I did the comparison to like, basically, you know, uh, for years, the uh, tobacco industry has targeted young people. So it would have them addicted and have a customer for 30 to 40 years, which is not a bad business model. It's just a little underhanded how they do it with, with nicotine. And uh, what they do it with now or electronics, which are sophisticated or camouflaged. 
And I basically natured that these are geared towards people their age, because you get a customer for 15 and they're a customer for the next 40 years to die of COPD, esophageal cancer, lung cancer, things of that nature. I said, you don't, they don't want to target me. I'm 66. I got a good four years left and that's it. And I go, you, and I tell the audience, I said, you were supposed to go, oh, when I did that, we're going to try that one more time. I'm 66. I only got four more years. And I leaned the mic out there. Oh. I go, so I just, you know, you engage them, kind of a participatory type of thing. You don't want strict lecture. You want them to be, uh, feel like the ownership uh, in the participation. I thought you would have walked out on the stage and say, go Tar Heels. And they would all go, yeah. No, I did at, at the end. And again, I, I vary, uh, you know, most comedians do the same act over and over. I try to add, I vary my presentations. I don't read off the slides. Uh, I basically talked about how I had walked, the last time I'd been on that stage was, I was handed a diploma. And, uh, and they've been I, looking for you ever since. They've been looking for me ever since. But I talked about all the things that, that I've been so blessed to do in my life. You know, uh, coach a JV basketball game at Dean Dome, my involvement in sports, people I've met. And and I just told him, you know, if 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 you you have an opportunity now to do things even greater than that, I came from where you're sitting, and I did things I couldn't imagine. But in the White House, I've been in the Capitol building, and I said, you you can do these things too. I mean, uh, and you can too can show. host a podcast name. You can hold a podcast too. Didn't even work that into it, but you know, uh, I just basically said if you don't become a slave to any bad habit. It's overeating or, or smoking or drugs. You, you can do whatever you want. It's pretty much unlimited. And I did it, and I was set in that same stance with you. So like I said, I, I, there's basic principles when I do, and this was about, this was about a thousand kids, is, is you know, I, I change every presentation to kind of gear it to the audience, and I try to engage the conversation. And, and I walk amongst the crowd with the microphone, too. I don't try to stay stationary. And by no means, I'm not good at it or well, or I know what the proper adverb would be. But, I, you know, I just try to seek a connection uh, with the individuals. You know, the old thing they tell you always, and I've adhered ever since my life, is you don't talk to the crowd, you talk to one individual. You, you, you know, it may not be a specific person, but you speak as if you were speaking to someone on the bench watching a ball game or doing a podcast. Right. You, we're talking right. to one person at a time with this podcast. Or some yes. weeks we are talking to one, one person. More person. But <laughs> you try to do it that way and, and, and again, admit you don't know all the answers, but you know someone that does. And that's, that's been the key. And, and I've been blessed this has come easy for me to speak to groups we've talked about it before jerry seinfeld says the number one fear that people have today is speaking to a large group and the number two fear is dying which means uh when you go to a funeral the guy in the box is having an easier time than the guy up on the podium but uh i, I actually enjoy speaking to large groups better i do individuals uh, particular individuals approach you with problems. Well, this deep study of Ernest's psyche will return. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, you got me started. Would I you got you started. And that's what I do for a living. I listen to people all the time. So it's a natural fit. You like to talk. I like to listen. Oh, yeah. It works out good. It works out good. And then you count on me to remember some odd trivia that you've forgotten for a second. Yes. So yes. That's why. So we're name. Gonna, go ahead. We're going to talk sports. We really are. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what we're going to start with is something I did not expect to start with a week ago or two weeks ago, and that's the World Baseball Classic. Um, Ernest, just to summarize for everybody in case they missed it, it all boiled down to Japan versus United States, Shotani against Trout, and Shotani wins the battle, Japan wins the World Baseball Classic. And one headline was baseball wins. Do you agree with that title? The yeah, I think. Yeah, and then give a little credit to you, Darvish, who came in in middle relief. I, and I have always 
watch these. There's a lot of people that just discovered it. But back in the 2000s, I, I watched, I think the first two were won by Japan, then the Dominican Republic, and then U.S. won it back 2017, which was the last one, which was kind of postponed because of, of, of COVID. And, you know, the problem has always been when to hold it. They do it during spring training uh, because that kind of limits starting pitching. You, you don't want that, that kind of limits in that respect. But I, I enjoy watching it. I have watched, like I said, I even watched some of the early rounds. And it's, it's to, I think the ratings were worldwide. The game, the championship game between Japan and U.S., was the highest rated worldwide game of all time. Uh, the atmosphere was better than any regular season game. It's a lot better than the All-Star game. I, I wish they could do this maybe in the All-Star break and just chunk the All-Star game. I mean, the problem is that would limit the number of, of, of countries you could involve in it. You could probably get a 14 type of playoff for the whole week of the all-star game. But yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, it's, you know, we don't get our best talent out there, but then again, you don't see the best talent out for the other countries either. Uh, I mean, all of them kind of held off. And you actually have teams, the Yankees have an unofficial rule that none of their players can participate. And that goes back to, to uh, uh, Ruiz, uh, the relief pitcher for the Mets, breaking his arm celebrating after they had defeated the Dominican Republic. That was Puerto Rico. And then later on, there was another, oh, oh, uh, uh, Jose, uh, uh, Active, uh, Altuve, Altuve broke his thumb. Altuve yeah. broke his thumb on an inside pitch, I think from Frankie Williams of the Brewers. But that could have happened in, in spring training. I mean, I, I think that's kind of overblown the, the injury risk. I can understand not having a, a Verand, uh, Verlander out there or some of the other top starters, but it's it's enjoyable. I mean, the 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 Latin America has just such a love affair with baseball, and you, you see some of that that we don't as Americans have, and it's it's again, I wish they'd do it more often. I think two thousand. 26 is going to be the next one. They were in a three-year cycle. But I'd, I'd almost like to see it at least by biannual every other year. And, and forget the All-Star theme game. I would like, you know, if you're going to do an All-Star game, do it. Latin America versus so uh, North America. The question I have is, I like baseball, but I've been frustrated with it in the last five years. The average sports fan, was that enough to get them back interested in it? I don't think so. I think it was a nice moment, and it appealed to baseball fans already, but the ongoing issue we've talked about ad nauseum is kids are not watching baseball. They're not playing baseball. There's got to be that connect that you could do it yourself or you have done it yourself. I think the exuberance that you see, and I don't by no means are trying to adhere any any, uh, any stereotypical uh, aspect of it. But the exuberism you see in, in the Latin American ballplayers, I mean, Randy Rosaruna, who actually is Cuban but played for Mexico, was just flourishing in the outfield with catches and throws. And I think that helps. And I think the, the new rules, which weren't in the World Baseball Classic, I mean, the Mets and the Braves played a game under two hours today. Uh, spring training, albeit, but it was under two hours. And, and you know, I, I think there's no one singular outfit. I mean, let's let's face it. There's no one more spectacular than than Otoni, Altuni. Uh, I mean, he's just fan. They actually talked about this, and John Smoltz said he is better than Ruth as a two-way ball player. Because remember, Babe Ruth only did it for two and a half right. years. Yeah, and I think we're going to only see even more from Shantoni. Shantoni. I say it different every time. Um, I know. But I think that's the future of world baseball. So baseball there's, there's had, exciting players out there. It was, a nice, it was a nice deal to have for a while. But what's really happening right now 
it's March Madness, and folks, if you listened before, you know that both our teams, Michigan, North Carolina, did not make it. They did not deserve it this year. Better luck next year. So, um, anything surprise you so far besides coaches tearing off their shirt? Messman, put back your shirt on. Come on, man. Ah, Florida Atlantic, of course. That's a great story. I mean, you got a little little program that was. D2 about 20 years ago, uh, they play, I think they're in the Sun Belt, and you got them in the uh, Sweet 16. Good chance to go beyond, people will know after this podcast. I mean, the fact that, uh, let me see, the, the ACC and the Big Ten only got one team left, is that right? Am I correct? You got uh, Michigan State playing right now, that's it. Yeah, and Miami, who I think I warned y'all early in the season, was one of the best teams I've seen. I don't, you know, I don't, all teams have weaknesses. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of off-the-court stuff that, that you can't ignore. The Alabama situation, the idea that Creighton had an assistant coach serve prison time for offering money to a player. Uh, I mean, Patino getting another chance at a job, which is just beyond... What can what do you have to do? The, the ex Texas coach uh, getting a job at Old Miss. I mean, it's it's the off. It's okay, the it's time for us to off. say our favorite two words about filthy money. lucre. Filthy, filthy lucre. lucre. Yes, I mean it's money. I know, but there's there's a point where <sighs> he's not going to make that much difference at Old Miss. When was the last time Old Miss made the Sweet Sixteen? The greatest, the great story really more than anything else this season. It's kind of gone on the radar, and it may be over by the time individuals listen to this, is the the job the interim Texas coach has done. And, and the idea of him taking over in January, and they're in the Sweet 16, is beyond me. This is a guy who was an assistant at UNC Wilmington a couple years ago. And Rodney Terry is just... I mean, he, he should be coach of the year, not just Big 12 coach of the year. But the idea of him coming in and and pretty much they – I was in hearing an interview with the players uh, once they found out their coach had been arrested for uh, domestic abuse. They kind of like, oh, that's our season. And they thought only, only if Coach Terry comes in there. He's done a great job. They beat Kansas twice. They really don't have one singular star. I, I think that's a story that, that with all the troubles of Patino and Creighton and Alabama and Arizona, I, that's the one that the good news, I think people haven't heard that much. I mean, you've got, you got some really guys with bad personality coaching and still out there somehow. Yeah, there's uh, bad personality. I'm, I'm looking at you, Mick. <laughs> I'm direction. looking at you, Mick, over at UCLA. <laughs> Quit pouting all the time. All right. I'm going to take a left turn here for a second. Okay. Because we might be in danger of repeating ourselves from the last podcast. Just might be. But okay. um, because we get frustrated with the bad coaches and the hypocrisy, but then again, everybody does. So when you go to a basketball game, whether college or pro, what's something that you enjoy besides the actual game being played itself? I mean, what is it about the experience? What is it? What do you like to do when you go to a basketball game? What do you like to watch besides the game? I like to go early. I like to see the warm-ups. Uh, I enjoy watching the stuff that's not broadcast. Uh, things away from the camera, the center of attention. I like to look stuff away from the basket. I like to see the strategy and how the defense is called and how they adapt it and change it. I think one of the big misnomers is people say that NBA players don't play defense. They do. It's it's because of the time period and because of the talent. It's it's a little bit different, but I tend to recognize what they can do. Uh, I like to watch the offensive strategy. Um, one person said the greatest play next to Hamlet is the pick and roll. Ever since the advent of the three-point shot the last 20 years, we have seen an increase, I think, uh, I saw an analytics study that 50% of the plays that are run in the NBA now are pick and roll of some type. 
and that can be a pick and pop, that can be a pick and fade. There, there's so many combinations. And again, it, it, play is kind of a misnomer because that gives you the idea of like a uh, punt squeeze in baseball or a football play. It's, it's really the root and then they adapt to what the defender sees. So I, I kind of see the strategy and how they try to change things during the wow. game. Wow. We have a totally different answer here. Okay. Almost totally. I like. To Are get you there... saying the cheerleaders? No. Well, no. well wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So okay. I like to get there early. Like we both like to get there early. Oh yeah. But I like to get some really good food, and and then settle in where I'm at, and then I watch the people coming in. I like to watch the different fans coming in. Um, we like to watch. You know, like if there's celebrities in the crowd, like we saw. Oh, uh, Ham. Mia Ham. Mia Ham. When we went to a. North Carolina game there. Of course, Roy Williams was there too. But I liked watching who came up to talk to Roy Williams. I like to see like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I like seeing all the kids rush in, the students rushing toward the college section. It's the, the whole experience of having that many people in one space has so much energy. I mean, to me, it's being all together watching the same event at the same time and the the drama that's under control, basically. You know, it's not anything too crazy and... Anyways, I like that experience. That's what I really missed during COVID is going to a good sporting event. And then you've seen it at the same time with a friend. Like watching a game, do you go to a game by yourself very often? Probably not. Yes, I do. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you make friends easily. but Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the great experiences that I had, and I don't do it anymore because the cost has just gotten so excessively high, was going to the first and second round of the NCAA playoffs. And you have the same seat for all six games. So you start knowing the people around you, who they're rooting for, what they're interested in. And pretty much anyone who goes to six games in two days is a hardcore fan. Okay? You're not not going there to be seen. You're not going there to see Sienna play Maryland. And and, you could have sold the tickets for a lot more. But those individuals are hardcore and, and and again, you you develop friendships that you never have again. But I, I enjoyed that. I, I make friends at games pretty well in that respect. Uh, I guess that's there's a difference in a college game. It's very very regimented. You're rooting for a specific interest. In pro games, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are going there as an excuse to go party later on. It's more of an experience than a, than as a fan, and and usually if you can get someone in my age group, older person, they're going to watch the game. But and I don't make a blanket judgment if they're under the age of forty. This is just a social engagement to get their libations and. Wow, really party. bashing the younger folk here, the millennials. I'm not man. bashing them. I just it's a different. You were talking about it earlier about getting young people interested in baseball, and I think it's it's because the strategy and the, and the, the minutia doesn't really interest them. I mean, they'd like the flashy lights, they like the t-shirt cannons, and they like the hot dogs thrown in the crowd, and they like the uh, get on their phones and pick the song. They like the three ring circus. They like yeah, they like the three ring circus. I I could have easily gone to the COVID games at, at Disney. And been perfectly all right. And you, I usually don't. You, you, you've gone to games with me. I'm not a very vocal person at games because, again, I'm I'm trying to. It, it's 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 like a it's like an ongoing mathematical problem that progressively changes that I look wow, at. Wow! Don't believe it, folks, or one listener that we have here. <laughs> he, uh, he, he gets pretty into it. He gets frustrated. He's Passionate I about his tar heels. But I, I don't, Come on. don't yell or scream or holler. I'm no, not, he just has that look like, uh, don't mess with me right now. Ingestion constipation, is that what I look like? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't go down that route. That's what you should talk with the middle schoolers about. But then Yes, yes. I, bodily probably... functions always work. Or bad puns, that's what I like. All right, so that was just a side thing to talk about. So let's talk now about... A, we're, an, we're not going to pick who we think is going to win the NCAA? Oh, man. You know, I've been picking Alabama, even if I'm not thrilled about some of their behavior. If they're all healthy and they're running fast, 
I think they're going to win. Um, I don't see a lot of other teams. Kansas is still in it. Um, but who do you pick? I'm going to go with a sentimental pick, which means they'll probably lose to UCLA tonight. Uh, I look, Gonzaga. I mean, every year, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, let them have it. But let me tell you something interesting that's come up. The, have you seen from Coach Saban? Have you heard what he did? I have not. Okay. You may think I'm transitioning to football, but stick with me. Coach Saban suspended one of his players uh, for speeding. Oh, I he did see like, that. I did see yeah. that. Did you hear his comments? I did not. He basically said, I am not taking the excuse of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Bad decision was made until the judicial system concludes this. Ooh, burn. Uh, I, he is off the team. Excuse me, Coach Nate Oates. <laughs> that shot was fired across your bow wow. by the football coach at your There's school. There's only one king in Alabama, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, you, you think about it. The last 20 years, and Alabama has been really dominant. They never really have had a discipline problem. Georgia has, LSU has, USC has, Ohio State has. All these things that have come up and considered You didn't say challenged. Michigan. You're being too nice right now. Well,. Michigan like has. The, Go ahead, keep going. Michigan has. I was being nice. Florida State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying, Miami. You saying Saban I mean, is just the grumpy old man that nobody wants to cross? I think generally there is fear of him in that program. I think the coaches are afraid, and I think the players are afraid, and I can't think of another program where you can say that. It is is you know it's one of those things you step back, and whether you admire him or not, uh, he runs a pretty clean all right group. quick question who's gonna file saving when he's finally done finally finally wow. done. he'll be he'll be dead and still coaching for two years uh Debo? i don't know i mean uh that's a good question they'll want you know the big thing before him was they wanted somebody from there that didn't work out with shula and a few of the other guys uh, I don't know. Unless it's somebody on his group now. Yeah, it's going to be someone young. It's going to be someone that we're going to really be surprised at. Someone in the 30s. Someone maybe with the program themselves. But that's so hard to do. I mean, it, I can't think of anybody who followed be it college basketball or college football that that made everybody happy. I mean, they're they're trying to run off Calipari right now, which is ludicrous. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's, but it's an impossible expectation. Once you win that much, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know who's going to follow Saban. I don't think Dable's going to come back from what he's got in Clemson. It's too good, but he's got a rebuilding program. A yeah, bit I right think now, if if it had been five years ago, I'd have said. Sweeney, but now I, he's he's as much of that program. I can't see him leaving. Like I said, and, and, and they want someone younger than him. I don't want to go through what they want to last time. I just I don't think they're going to be someone from the family like last time because it it took from Bear, which now they would did win a national championship in between there, but but they they made a lot of mistakes also. It'd be someone someone on his coaching staff now that. We may not know of, but that would be easier to do. Well, we know Jimbo Fisher's not coming back. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. No. Um, and I know a lot of guys aren't coming back. No, no. The, yeah. Oh, the coaches have gone through there. No, they won't. It'll be someone young. Yeah. It won't be someone in the 50s or 40s. All right. Well, let's take another turn. Let's make a right-hand turn back All to right. the f- future, back to the past. We were supposed to have Oscar's show <laughs> But Ernest came up uh, on the disabled list. We won't go into details of his bodily functions. Last oh, week. I was hanging out with my buddy Earl and Ralph. <laughs> Ralph Earl and Chuck. Ralph Earl and <laughs> oh. Chuck. Uh, yeah. Chuck. First name yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, it's up. Yeah, all them. Yeah, we were, I thought we were going to go there. But oh, okay, anyways. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we were going to do our annual Oscar show, and then. 
I wasn't too sad about it because I had seen only one of all the movies up for Oscars. And so, Ernest, this is, you know, sometimes Dan Patrick has his two good minutes of soccer news or whatever. Right. Can you have your three good minutes about the Academy Awards? Yeah, I mean, uh, I wasn't particularly surprised here, there, and everywhere. One, uh, Jamie uh, Lee uh, Curtis, who is unrecognizable in the movie, got Best Supporting Actress, and uh, Shorty Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's not his real name. Got Best Supporting Actor. And uh, again, it wasn't that shocking. Uh, I mean, pretty much what I... There were a few guys that I, I would have liked to have seen win that did not. But all in all, I mean, it was slap free. It was controversy free, pretty much. Uh, yeah, too I many did, slap jokes. All right, we get it. We get it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch. I, this is going to sound really bad for somebody who watches movies a lot. I watched more of the XFL that night. Uh, That's then I did the Academy go, Awards. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we were in a situation, uh, and I'll get back to the Academy Awards in just a moment, but uh, the um, uh, last Saturday I was in a quandary because I was watching not only my Hurricanes play a hockey game, I was watching the WBC Championship uh, semifinal with the USA and uh, uh, um, uh, Venezuela, I was watching the NCAAs. I was watching the Braves play. I was watching XFL football. I was watching football, basketball, baseball, and hockey all at the same time. And I thought, only in America, only in America could those types of things happen. But uh, back to the kind of, I mean, Daniel Kwan really was, I was nice story to see him win. Um, at the same time, Jimmy Lee Curtis is someone who's plugged away. I think she did pretty well also. Are you surprised Spielberg won no awards for his life story, basically Fableman? That's one of the few that I haven't seen. Uh, no, not really. I mean, he's got enough in that respect. I mean, uh, Here, There, and Everywhere was, was a movie that, that if everybody had, had a chance to see, was just fantastic. And I, I've seen it. It is a movie that you really got to watch twice to be able to understand because it, it, it was again. So it, it's a multiverse and it's a time, uh, movie and it's difficult to explain. It sounds like it's too much it thinking power. I know well, one movie it, you want to see is Oppenheimer by your favorite yes. Chris Nolan. I've seen two versions of the, the story. Uh, one with, um, uh, the guy who's on the actually Oppenheimer is played by the guy who played on the uh, the A train the A uh, the yeah A squad whatever it was the A team A team yeah Dwight whatever his name was who played Barkley on uh, Next Generation he played Oppenheimer and oh Paul wow Newman. you're skewing really old I, I know who you're talking know, about but I can't get his name Dwight something but him and and Paul Newman played. Um, the uh, role of the individual, the general who led it. I know the basics of it. I've read enough books because really when they fired the experiment, they in no way could understand whether or not it would be a chain reaction that they could not stop. Realized their knowledge was you were taking uranium-235 and igniting it from inside. There were two different types of bombs. And they didn't know if it ignited that it would ignite other atoms in the air. Could have been the end of the world. End of the world, yes. And at the same time as the moral issue, you take something that kills millions of people at the same time, but do you use it to end a war that would kill millions of Americans at the same time? See, I'm very much looking for Oppenheimer. I I think you look at the cast and everybody who's going to be in it. And again, this is the third attempt to tell that type of story, but I think largely Americans aren't quite aware of what it is, what's going on. I'm looking forward, of course, to Guardians of the Galaxy, the last one, which will be uh, volume. They don't say episode three. They say volume three because music is such a underlying issue towards it. And I'm looking forward to see John Wick 4 this weekend. Please, somebody get that man a dog. Please, please. Uh, 
uh, have not had a chance to say uh, Shazam yet because of my illness. I'll probably make it out to see it this weekend also. I do have a, I do have two rec- one recommendation, one avoid. Do not see Babylon. How that movie was only rated R is beyond me. It is three hours of pure junk. And and normally I'm a big Brad Pitt fan, but got to pass on this one. There's a nice little family movie on Netflix that I highly recommend. You can watch it with your kids. It's called We Have a Ghost. It's a comedy slash horror movie. We have a ghost. We like have, we a, have ghost. a problem ghost or we have a ghost that's dangerous? Type of they learn how to monetize it. Oh. Oh. So the movie I thought you might say don't go see is Cocaine Bear. We see that advertised everywhere. I have no desire. Even though that's the last movie for... Uh, oh, Lord, I'm missing a name again. Um, yeah, the actor who died last year. Um, he's in... Um, he always plays heavies. Here we go, folks. This is where I'm supposed I to know. help out, but I'm not helping out today. This is where you're supposed to help out. I right? know. We'll, 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 let's move on forward here. So, Oh, let me think. Let me think. Oh, let me think. This is where I have to edit out later. Well, Ernest is thinking okay. about that. <laughs> um, Ray, Ray Liotta. Oh, Ray Liotta. Sure, sure. Ray Liotta's last movie. Goodfellas. All the, he was in all those yes, movies. Yes, Goodfellas. I couldn't remember Goodfellas, but uh, played the quasi-central gangster almost in every movie he did. Tough guy. Yeah. Yep. But we were moving on. You said that. Yes, we are moving on, getting back to sports before we get too far off field. Um, so right now, baseball spring training is coming up. But the NFL is the media monster that never stops. And we've gone through the combine. Now we're going through individual workouts. Now we're getting all the pre-NFL draft predictions of where the quarterbacks are going to go. go. Are you happy with what your Panthers have done in the free agency market? Very much happy. Very much so. Uh, you got the red rifle. Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. We got Michael Saunders, which was the leading running back for the Eagles. Uh, we got a tight end, which we haven't had in years. We put some uh, depth at defensive tackle. Uh We've got uh, uh, A.J. Theron, the wide receiver for the Vikings. We're looking to pick up another. We're supposedly one of the candidates looking at the running back for the Cardinals. I mean, the wide receiver for the Cardinals. We've got the number one pick, and maybe we overpaid for it. But I believe they're going to call out C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, who will be our next starting quarterback. Are you excited about that or okay with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Richardson at Florida no. excites me more. No. He he has cam-like qualities. He is an athlete. Uh, I would be very disappointed if they went with Young from Alabama because I think he's just too small. But I like Stroud. He looks he looks quarterback ready. I mean, Ohio State's problems wasn't scoring all year. They could score when they wanted to. I think he's probably the most NFL-ready of the top three candidates. Actually, four candidates, because Will uh, Levis of Kentucky, Richardson from Florida, Young from Alabama, and, and Stroud, of course, from Iowa State. Of those four, I think Stroud is the most quarterback-ready and most NFL-ready. The, uh, the potential Richardson. Stroud played big games against Michigan. He sort of disappeared in the last quarter and a half, and – Yes, they put pressure on him, and he was really focused to win. But it it doesn't look like he has that like real intense competitive side. He comes across sort of as cool, calm, and collected. And I like that Bryce Young was in a lot of big games. And um, you know, you think about oh yeah, you need height, you need height, you need height. I think Bryce Young is going to be better. I think he's more of a a playmaker who will shuffle around and move around and do all right. I think if you look at Jalen Hurts. People said he was too short, too. So but he's solid. He is 50 pounds heavier than Young. I mean, it's, it's, he's Young is slight. That's what concerns me. It's not such the height. It's the size. 
and when you think about and and so realize the effect here is you're saying I'm like just he's thinking, too slight to stay healthy yeah I, yeah I think he does I think he is too slight I mean when you look at it, he is smaller as much as been made about uh, uh, Kyle Murray at, at at the Cardinals he is 30 pounds lighter and two inches shorter he's Five nine. Is he really Louis, five foot nine? I thought he was five eleven. Well, they measure five eleven with the shoes on, but he's just too small. I mean, I just don't. And again, look at the problems that Murray's had. He had a great first year, but he hasn't progressed. Like I said, my dream is Richardson because Richardson is big and strong. I mean, Richardson is a beast. They they were talking about the comparison of him. And when you roll off the stats, all the numbers about Richardson, and let me see if I remember correctly, he is taller than George Kittle. He is heavier than Hassan Reddick. His hand is bigger than DeAndre Watkins. His vertical is higher than Devontae Adams. And his broad jump. Yeah, but it's what's the between back. the ears that counts in the NFL decision but making. But we have, we have the quarterback guru as a head coach. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. So, anyway, so you feeling good about your Panthers. And I've, I've never yeah. seen this much free agency and turnover in the NFL before. It seems like every team is moving players. I think we're in a very weak division. Uh, I don't think New Orleans is going to be that much better with a new quarterback. I'm not scared of Baker over at Tampa Bay. <laughs> Atlanta still doesn't know who their quarterback is going to be. It probably is going to be Ritter, who was a rookie last year. I think we can win the division now. What a playoff game. We Kimasabi? Yes, I think we can win our division. Okay, all right. Yeah, might only be six games <laughs> that can win the division. I think we're, we're the, one of the better teams in the division right now. I like the direction they're going in. I'd like that they're securing depth at positions. We do need a deep wide receiver, but I, as I've often said, receivers, I, I think the market is a market inequity in that there's plenty of receivers out there. You just have to wait and you can get good value for your dollar. The best situation is to have a quarterback on a rookie contract because usually your quarterback is to the extent your highest paid item in your salary cap. And I've heard rumors that even Detroit's looking at a young quarterback. Yeah, they're going to draft a quarterback. Just as a matter of fact, what what round they're going to do it. I mean, they're committed to golf to start, but they know in a couple of years, do they want to pay him the big bucks? And I think they're, you know, he's showed one really good year and one iffy year. So they're hoping it's going to continue. I'm more excited about the defensive backs Detroit has picked up and some of the defensive line. And, you know, talking Detroit, you used to never talk about defense. And I think they seem more balanced now than ever. So I'm hopeful as a Lion fan, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's we're, tough. We're, we're, we're trying to steal one of your wide receivers. We're trying to put a little money past this. J.D. Shark. Okay, go ahead. They, they, J.D. Shark <laughs> is, is someone that they've been – visiting with and because he would be that uh, deep threat that we need. And that's really the only other thing we need in yeah. this receiver. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm getting excited, more excited than I've been in the last couple of years. So let's, I'm not going to win a Super Bowl. Let's later. talk about one more subject and we'll wrap this baby up. We've been talking XFL since it started. USFL is on the horizon now. You've been saying all along, you're not certain. You said that the victory for the XFL this year it's just to finish the season. Do you still believe that? Yeah, yeah. Finish the season would be, uh, it depends on how much money that uh, The Rock and his ex-wife want to lose. I mean, there are situations, you look at St. Louis, they're, they're selling out the affordable seatings. They're almost having 40,000 people attend their games. Uh, that's that's an, a market that they could use now. I think San Antonio and Houston and to extent Arlington uh, and Orlando have not come out as much as they wanted to. And if they come back for another year, I think they need to target 
football markets the NFL is not reaching is Oakland, it's San Diego, it's Birmingham. I think there, there are enough markets out there. You speak, I hear a lot of NFL uh, experts and they say, legitimately, there are 40 markets out there that could support football in some form. That's why I think the ultimate game plan is you're going to see a spring league. Uh, I think the best format would be if the XFL and USFL were to merge somehow. I, and, you know, the trick is you can't send guys under contract to a minor league. It had to be an entire free agent type of league because of the, the agreement with the Players Association. But I think the interest is there. I mean, the, the ratings are pretty much what they were before. But the ratings are better than tennis and live golf and a few other things that we're showing on TV these days. So I don't, uh, there is a market, but it's not going to be a market like the NFL is showing. All right. By the way, have you watched any of the live golf on TV? No, no. I'll watch PGA, but I, I'm like Roy, Rory. I'm not a fan of live yet. So it's like walking the stock exchange because <laughs> you have two columns. They have two columns on the screen, one with the teams and how the, because they're split up in various teams. And then they have the players themselves. So the team wins and an individual can win the particular tournament. Ooh. But they're out there in shorts and they're playing music as they hit. I mean, it's, I just don't think this thing's going to No, stick. no, just take your money and run, guys. So, um, yeah, no. So let me wrap it up. You got, I know you have something to wrap it off to. My final few comments are my tip my hat to Jim Nance for all the good years he's done March Madness. I know not everybody's a fan of Jim Nance. They think he's way too stiff. They wouldn't know the difference if he was uh, excited or not. But I think he's done a pretty good job with the March Madness. I appreciate it. He worked with Billy Packer and others. So this is his last March Madness. Uh, he's said it's enough for him he's got a new family he's still doing things he wants to like nfl it's time for somebody else to step up and take that over so ian eagle your life dream is about to come true so ernest what's your last few comments hello friends no wouldn't it be ironic that on his last final four which is going to be in uh, houston right isn't this in houston i thought it was la for some reason i think it's in houston would it be ironic if his alma mater won the championship? I have the, the Houston getting in the final game and losing to Alabama myself. Well, that would be highly ironic. But uh, I'm going to speak about uh, someone from my past who passed away, and that, that's Willis Reed. And Willis Reed is, is kind of underrated because people don't realize the career he had. He was really an undersized Center, he'd shoot 15 yards left-handed, 15 feet away, excuse me, left-handed. And, and defensively, was okay. But he was part of probably the best team. I mean, in basketball, the Knicks of the late 60s and 70s who won two championships. Were, it, they were more than the individual parts. You know, the only real superstar was probably Walt Frazier. You know, again, Reed played at a time when you had Chamberlain and Jabbar and Lanier and Nate Thurman. So he, you know, wasn't considered even a top five, but he was the captain. And I remember on a Friday night watching with uh, Chris Schenkel and, and Jack Twyman doing the play-by-play. And then TV broadcasting was much more elementary than it was now. And he had hurt his, his knee and had missed game six and the Lakers had tied up the series. And it was like rumors going around during pregame. It's, it's Willis coming out. And he comes out to warm up. And the crowd, and it was at Madison Square Garden, was just electric. And the game started. He took a little jump shot from the corner of the lane, hit it, came down, next play, ran it for him again, another little left-handed jump shot, hit it, did not score another point, and the Knicks won the championship, I think, like 20-some points. Beat a team with 10 of the greatest players of all time in the NBA, Will Chamberlain, uh, Elgin Baylor, and Jerry West. And it was one of those great series, of course, 
TV, you had New York and LA, but Willis Reed was always classy. He uh, played in, in Grambling University, probably the only basketball player you've ever heard of from Grambling University. But was a captain and later a GM and coach for the Nets and the Knicks, but always personified class. And it's one of those guys in that great period. You know, I love the NBA from, from 65 on to about 79 because it was a little secret. You know, the championship games were played on tape delay late night. Uh, the games were only one game on Sunday afternoon. And it was usually the Bucks, the Lakers, or the Knicks, or some variation of. But Willis Reed is one of those rare individuals who played in New York, whose reputation was not overblown by the media. You know, uh, Bill Russell was, the, I mean, uh, Bill Bradley was the great white hope. Walt Frazier was the style master with his shoes and outfits. Dave DeBusher was a working class hero from Detroit. Cassie Russell was a star from Michigan. Never really developed what everybody expected him. But, but Willis Reed was solid, gave you everything you want, and was the epitome of what a captain should do in sports. And again, I think... Uh, He's one of those underrated. We, we got on, me and David and Paul this week, we're talking about how underrated Tim Duncan was. I still consider him the most underrated basketball player of all time. I think Willis Reed was one of those rare New York athletes that was underrated. Any other sport in New York, guys who are considered stars, Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Glidden, Dwight Glidden, excuse me, kind of flame out real fast and early. But Willis was, was solid and was uh, just as big in, in, in statue as a man as he was a basketball player. He definitely was. And uh, he died yesterday at the age of 80, I think. So, well, that's it for this week's Pardon the Confusion. Thanks, Ernest, for um, getting healthy and better. We might have another podcast this weekend. If my son's able to join us, we'll talk NBA and get up to date on what's happening, all things LeBron and other people as well. So for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.